All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Charlie Carter. Charlie, a structural engineer by education and for most of his career, is now the president of the American Institute of Steel Construction, the AISC. AISC is a nonpartisan, not-for-profit technical institute and trade association which serves the structural steel design community and construction industry in the United States. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate you having me. So share with us a little bit about your background. I know that you spent most of it as an engineer. So what led you to doing what you're doing now? Yes, I graduated with an engineering degree, structural engineering, 30 years ago. And it was a a time where it was difficult to find a job. But there was this job at AISC, which I knew from my education in classes where I was taught steel design. And I took that job not really knowing what it would be. But 30 years later, here I still am. Uh, I, I really thought I was in my forever until retirement job in my previous role. I was vice president and chief structural engineer running all the technical activities uh, of AISC that we do on behalf of our industry members and, and serving the design community and construction industry. But as fate sometimes has it, uh, there's, there's one other thing you might not have expected. I became interested, interviewed, and was selected to be AISC's president which is my current role. So AISC is a credentialing organization. Share with us a little bit about what you do for the steel and construction industry. Right. Well, you you mentioned in the introduction, we're a technical institute and a trade association. And those are two very different functions. Usually those are separate, but AISC has existed for 100 years. We're actually 100 years old this year. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. It's been a strange year to have an anniversary. You can celebrate everything virtually. But if you look at our founding, we were founded by some very, very smart people who saw a need to have things like the basis for design and the basis for contracting and resources that would be useful. And in in the 1920s, they created standards that engineers could follow in the design process and and contracting standards where you didn't have to invent the wheel every time you wanted to buy and sell structural steel. And then resources that people could refer to so that everybody knew what was acceptable. Uh, So AISC and its technical institute function has been serving that role. Uh, Our documents now are building code references. So every jurisdiction in the United States that uses the International Building Code, design and construction is done according to the standards that we write. And that's the key role that AISC provides as a technical institute, is creating that information and all the information that supports it. There's somewhere north of 300 
volunteers, experts in design and construction who give their time, expertise, wisdom to create all that information. And it's been maintained by the succession of those volunteers for a hundred years. Wow. And, you know, in a hundred years, so someone will say that it's, it's been done for 200 years because, you know, there'll always be buildings and bridges made out of steel and a need for that kind of information. The uh, trade association part, it, it serves the industry that we exist because that in industry exists, we exist. And, you know, they are the businesses that make steel uh, in, in a mill, whereas it in a service center and cut it to length, put holes in it, weld fittings on it, and prepare it to ship to the field to be erected into buildings and bridges. And those are steel fabricators. And those are our primary uh, members that we serve. And interestingly, we, we serve them most by providing all that information to the design community who picks steel and designs in it. And then they have uh, work to do and, and that's what their businesses are based on. So the, the technical information kind of feeds the, the purpose of the trade association and we do both in parallel. Well, and it really makes the industry, the industry stronger when you have it on both sides because people have access to the technical information, but then they can also network with each other and see what's going on in the market and basically make friends with the, who they would have considered their competitors to make the, that referral basis stronger and to basically just make the industry as a whole stronger. That's exactly right. And what you have in these committees is you have a mixed group of people that design and people that construct. Uh, you, you have some educators, you have some researchers, you have some code officials. Uh, you have a lot of different perspectives in the room. And the more they talk to each other, the better the results that we get. And they, they tend to know each other and they're going to work on that building or that bridge together in the design and construction process. So the, the, the benefit to AISC, I guess, is also a benefit to them in some respects as well. Yeah. And we think about steel in the United States, like way back in the day when we were all about steel and we were this massive producer. And then we have this idea that the steel is not made here. It's going everywhere else. But you and I had a conversation that we do a lot of steel here. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how that's changed. The industry has changed here and, and what an impact steel has on the United States economy. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. The, the steel industry, well, people hear about steel in the news today, and, and it's pretty common for people to think that steel is, is something that's now made elsewhere. In buildings and bridges, though, that, that's just not the case. Uh, the, the vast majority of steel that you see going up on a building uh, or to make a bridge is produced here in the United States. Now, if you go back 40 years, you, you had companies like U.S. Steel and Bethlehem Steel that were located in Pittsburgh and Bethlehem and, and Gary, Indiana and places like that. High population centers because there were a lot of people employed in the processes of mills. And they also were, were fairly dirty because they were doing basic oxygen production techniques, which involve raw materials being cooked down and uh, a lot of stuff coming out of smokestacks. And, uh, but about 
40 years ago, a transition started that was mostly an economic transition, what was then called a mini mill, uh, because they were smaller than those big integrated mills that I named before, led primarily by Nucor, um, uh, two other companies today, Gerdau and uh, Steel Dynamics. Uh, they aren't located in population centers. They, they use production techniques that are based on recycling of scrap steel and melting it using electric arc processes, a carbon prod that uh, is pushed into the um, recycled steel in a ladle and the electricity run through it to melt it. That's a very different production technique. It's lower cost and it's also significantly clean. So not only has the, the industry reinvented itself uh, many times over those decades, they've reinvented where they're located, uh, what the production techniques are, what the cost structure of production is much lower, and also what the carbon footprint is totally different. So when you hear comments about steel being dirty, mostly they're talking about production techniques still used in other countries in the U.S., we lead the world in the cleanness of our production and the sustainability of, uh, of construction using steel made in the U.S. It's really a great story, and I wish more people knew how much steel is actually produced here and, and also how green it is based on the way we produce it here. Yeah, and that, I'm sure that that's going to be a surprise to to people because we don't necessarily think about sustainability and a green industry when you're talking about steel. So what are some of the things when we talk about attracting people to the steel industries? Because we talked about the fact that you know, they're locating it where energy is inexpensive because so many of the processes are automated. But if somebody is thinking about starting out their career and looking at steel, what are some of the career opportunities or why would they want to join the steel industry? Everybody's looking for people uh, these days. We hear that on the news and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Every story you pass on your way to work is looking for somebody to, to work. And the steel industry is no different. The great thing about jobs in the steel industry is they're really great jobs. This is an industry that builds things. When you drive to work, you pass all these things that you can point to and you tell your kids, I built that. Right. And it's, it's, it's an industry that makes things and builds things. And really, that's what this country has been all about, you know, the making and the building of things. And uh, that is what has driven us as a society and as a, as a country. And when I look at, at how uh, all those changes that I described about production have happened, the shift from population centers to uh, low energy cost centers in the United States. The mill today, if you had gone in one of those old integrated mills, you would see people everywhere and shoulder to shoulder in some cases doing the processes. It was very labor intensive. But today, if you were in a mill and you had to talk to someone, you'd probably have to walk to find them. Because people are running equipment that's highly automated and computerized and mechanized. And the production techniques are, are driven by people who are at a higher skill level. 
Uh, it's the same thing in our warehouses. The home depots of steel are called service centers. And the mills sell to service centers and they warehouse the product until somebody needs uh, what they need. And then they'll, they'll buy it. If there's enough, they'll buy it from a mill direct. But more often today, probably 70% uh, of the steel that's bought and sold in the U.S. goes through a service center. Hmm. And that makes for a lot of efficiency. You're not warehousing a lot of steel on your yard in case you need it. Someone else is doing that. Well, those are also, you know, very good jobs because we're actually in a trade with a product that has a very high value and a very high impact. And the people that are buying that, the fabricators, they're they're the uh, the bulk of AISC's members. We we have about a thousand fabricators in the U.S. who are members of AISC. And they're the ones that cut it, cut those shapes to length and put the holes in them where they're supposed to go so that the parts that come together and get bolted together, the holes are in the right place. Or there's welded components that get attached in the shop or in the field. And all of the jobs in a steel fabrication shop are kinds of jobs where you, you, you learn a skill and you enter that workforce and you grow in your skill and, and you're able to grow a career. Uh, out of having that skill welding or uh, or uh, any any of the jobs in a in a fabrication shop have the potential to progress hmm. we also see a lot of automation in fabrication shops including today robotics making uh, a huge difference where a lot of parts can now be completely automated for how they would be fabricated it really makes a difference there in that the, the 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 way the fabricator can make more tonnage in a given day, they can say that another way, they can employ the same number of people and produce more tons of steel thanks to the automation. And robotics is only adding a whole new flavor to that. And uh, it's very exciting to see because yeah. what keeps the industry vibrant and keeps those jobs rolling and uh, keeps them as attractive uh, for, for a place to work. So it's not only from a, a technology standpoint that you get to deal with robots and automation and all that. You also uh, get the immediate gratification of seeing the buildings, seeing the bridges that you help to construct. And from a bigger mission standpoint, we were talking before the show about the percentage of steel that is actually recycled. So you're making a difference in that you're you're making something that you're able to use over and over again. So talk about that a little bit more on that sustainability and the recycling part of it. Yeah, that's a that's a huge benefit of steel, and it's something that developed quite organically. For a part in the pun. This is not something that nobody talked about sustainability in the terms that we're talking about it today, 40 years ago. But those mini mills that are now the largest producers in the country, they started with the idea that there's a better, faster and more efficient and less costly way to make steel. And that drove the recycling of steel, scrap steel. In the U.S., we, we recycle a lot, right? Everybody puts their recycling out and uh, it gets picked up. The steel components of that get separated and probably find their way to some reuse. 98% of steel across the board 
98% of, of what's made of steel in the U.S., your car, your dishwasher, your refrigerator, cans, old beams from buildings, railroad car wheels. There, there's just, think about everything that a magnet sticks to, and 98% of that find its, finds its way back as recycled steel in, in, at the end of its life. Wow. 2% that's lost somewhere in the process. It doesn't get separated or there's corrosion that happens and and all these things uh, add up to about 2% loss. But 98% recovery is is pretty very good. I can't think of anyone that's able to do that. I was going to say, I had no idea it was that high. Those beams that get rolled today are 93% recycled. Wow. All that stuff winds up at a, at a mill in the yard where they pick it up, charge the ladle, bring it in the shop and melt it down. It's just as good and, and, and in many times better because of the mix that they put together. You, you get a, a better chemistry and a, a more refined steel as a result of everything that, that comes along with that recycling process. Right. Yeah. Technology just keeps making it better and better, too. Yeah, it's interesting that it was all driven by the economics. This was a faster and less costly way to make it. But it also turns out that it's earth friendly. And 30 years later, we go, wow, this was really good that this right. became the norm in the U.S. So uh, we, we, we enjoy a status. The rest of the world is catching on to the recycling. Now, uh, one advantage we have is our power grid is what drives the carbon footprint of steel. Since the steel is recycled, it's the energy you're putting in. And the U.S. power grid is also one of the best in the nation for, um, excuse me, best in the world for the sourcing of that power. And uh, if you look at at other countries, they're primarily generating electricity where they're using it uh, in steel production with coal plants. So that's kind of the opposite. That's why if you compare the U.S. and and China, for example, the carbon footprint of U.S. production is one third or say it the other way. Chinese production is three times the carbon footprint uh, of what we produce in the U.S. Wow. So what are some of the things that you're seeing uh, your members that are that are going well, that they're doing well, that are making a difference in the industry and in their work environments? Marketplace right now is is pretty hot, and um, it, it's amazing to me how things evolve. The, the marketplace will slow down. We went through that period after 2008, and again, just a few years ago, and, and then the market heats up, and you, you just can't make steel fast enough, and uh, that that's the period of the market that we're in right now. Uh, it's being driven by a, a lot of factors, warehouse construction right now, distribution centers, the Amazon economy is mm. creating a lot of construction and a very high demand for steel. And so it's a really good time to, to be in a position to make that steel and make the components from that steel and, uh, and sell those in the marketplace. That drives a lot of innovation. And we're always looking for ways to uh, ad- ad- advance how we design and construct. One of the things we're working on at AISC right now is called a, a need for speed 
And it's a little play on the old Tom Cruise movie, Top right. Gun, right? I feel the need for yep. speed. We, we realized that, you know, we, we can work all day to make everything cheaper and just cut the cost, but anyone can do that. But what you really could do to serve the construction industry and the needs of owners and developers and anyone who would pick steel is make it easier and faster to pick steel, easier for them to design and systems that would actually make projects go faster. In the end, if you can cut time out of a construction project, that that's money because right. people are paying interest on loans. If the project opens sooner, they get rents faster. And one really good example of this, uh, Magnuson Clemensic Associates in Seattle did a project called Rainier Square Tower, where uh, they they uh, were collaborating with us on a, one of those innovative ideas, the Need for Speed project called Speed Core. And this was a new way to do the center of a building, which in more traditional methods would have been a, a concrete core with steel framing around it. And they said, you know, we, we think we could go four months faster in construction if we did the whole building out of steel. And they, they innovated this idea called speed core. And when they actually tried it, first project, first significant use of the technology, uh, they actually saved eight months in the construction. Wow. Which the owner or the general contractor on that project estimated was a, about a $20 million savings uh, versus what it would have been in the old system. So the, this interest and this opportunity to use steel and the market driving it right now allows us to look at things like that. And it's just super exciting to, to deliver something practical and meaningful. We played a small role in that as AISC. We, we were really the, the where everybody could come together. And, and now we're looking at other projects that are using that same uh, approach. Uh, still very new. Uh, the second project is going up, whether there's a third, fourth, and fifth that are uh, soon to be. We hope that's something that we see kind of revolutionizes the whole marketplace throughout the country, but uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And so if you were to think about the, the best tip that you've seen either coming through AISC or through technology workplace, what would that be to share with our listening audience today? The most important thing that I have observed in my 30 years is the, the power of the, the group that comes together. Everything we do, uh, I mentioned earlier, is by committee, and we have 300-some volunteers. They're, they're the people that have built the tallest buildings in the world and the longest bridges in the world, and uh, either by designing them or, or actually constructing them or you know, they're all sitting there and they're all talking to each other in these meetings and they're the most accomplished people I could find. And they sit there and say, well, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Uh, nobody knows everything. Right. But that group comes together and they create information that that's useful to them, but also useful to everyone else. And uh, the, the, the value of that combined knowledge and the quality of what results from the process of, of smart people talking to each other. 
that same thing happens on a project when the designers and the constructors actually take the time to talk to each other. Too often, they're driven into adversarial modes mm -hmm. where, you know, I got to beat the designer down, you know, get as much out of them as I can. And then I got to beat the fabricator down and get as much out of them. That, that usually doesn't work out as well in the grand scheme as if everybody came together and said, how are we going to work on this together and make this a great project? It works for standards. They write the standard, it becomes a great standard that everyone can follow and, and make buildings and bridges safe for the general public and efficient, economical to design and build. It'd work on an individual project too. We advocate for that quite a bit. We love it when we see our member fabricators being involved early in a project, pick their brain. Because early in a project, you, you can have the most impact. You know, that, that tower in Seattle went the way it did because people talked about the process early and said, what could we do here? Right. And they were building it in their minds before they ever you know, started designing it. And uh, they made the most of it. And it was that collaboration. So that to me would be the most important thing. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's so much more, but right. uh, I see it every day in the work we do and appreciate those people that do it for us. Absolutely. And if somebody did want to connect with you or learn more about AISC and what you do over there, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Well, we're, we're uh, all accessible our our names and uh, email addresses and phone numbers are on our website, but we we have something called the AISC Steel Solutions Center as well. So that's available for anyone that has a question about steel design and construction. And here again, this is some staff that that we don't know everything as staff. We know what we know. The best thing is that we know who to ask when we're asked. And uh, the Solution Center is, is about that, connecting the people with questions through us to the people with answers and uh, helping. Often those answers are in publications that already exist. So we're, we're able to help someone within a day or two to connect with the information they need. Sometimes you get uh, something that's beyond a publication that already exists and it might take a little longer. But uh, all of us as staff, all of us, uh, all of our volunteers at some point have contributed to something the Solution Center has done. And that's probably the best way to connect with us because they'll, they'll get you where you need to go, um, no matter what your question is. Right. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being with me on the show today and sharing so much knowledge and, and fun facts about the steel industry. It's been great chatting with you. You too. You ask great questions. I appreciate it. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. 
The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you. 